On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diegos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you. And uh, hey, thanks to Brett Phillips who just loves this time at uh, the Australian <laughs> hey. Open. And we'll be crossing to Brett throughout the next hour of course and uh, he'll give you all of the news you need to know about the Tomic uh, game. Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Good evening, Rodrigo. Great to be here. Yes, and uh, nice to see Warren Diego back. You're looking resplendent after a holiday. Where'd you go? Craigieburn? <laughs> uh, actually, no, I went to slightly more exotic parts oh, of Victoria than that. But um, you're lucky I'm here, really. Oh, right. Okay, we'll get into Tears that. Tears have dried we'll up. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, I don't feel fortunate. Carlos, good day. We are so lucky. Uh, by the way, Warren, were you playing on centre court tonight? <laughs> Because there was one petulant young Australian who, oh, yes. uh, and, and just remind me no, so no, much he of was your on, He actually on played at High Sense, oh, so oh, yeah. he was okay. off Broadway, okay, yeah. which is me, really. Yeah, I'm yeah, off Broadway. Right. Yeah. I actually, the first thing I asked was, as I came mm. in this evening, I said, who is the Nick Kyrgios of the Diegos? And <laughs> I think it was unanimous. Well, it can't be you, can't it? I mean, no, well, the first you're undisciplined, thing, the first thing you're, you're petulant. You're... The first thing Vinny said was, actually struggles to keep his concentration <laughs> and zones out yeah, you do. during... Yeah. Matches or shows. Yep. So if I'm, I'll take that. Actually, with the Kyrgios temperament and the Tomic temperament, they should be soccer players, shouldn't they? <laughs> Actually, really? they I probably, can we claim them? They, no, they, no, because they probably we were, Carlos. Yeah, they probably were. They, they, they were too petulant for football. <laughs> Jeez. I haven't been, I haven't, I, I wasn't, I'm not involved in you know, the pre-meeting meetings because I've zoned out. But I was actually thinking to myself as I was driving in, you know, who are the soccer-playing equivalents of Nick Kyrgios? It's almost like you hate him, but you can't you can't stop watching him. Well, it's well, who you know, isn't? I mean, I, I, I would re- I would retort, who isn't? Nicholas Bednar. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> football's full of them. True. In, Maybe in fact, that's the fact, problem tennis, for tennis. Tennis Australia should Needs blame more of football <laughs> because the boys would have played football younger, and that's it's instilled in their DNA now. And unfortunately, they've ended up in tennis. Uh, something went wrong because they should be playing football. Uh, mm. Yep, most, most probably in you know in the A League somewhere. You know, I'm surprised the A League wasn't blamed for those um, the idiots flares. ripping those flares before the Australian. Actually, Open. yeah, no, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I've got a big show for you tonight. Tonight's uh, show is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping. Hey, uh, we got uh, Jimmy Jago coming up live from Austria. Um, very, very soon, and it'll be interesting to check in with uh, Jimmy Jago, see how things are going with him, and we'll catch up with Mike McGrath a little bit later on. We'll take your text messages, of course, on 0433981116. Really look forward to hearing from you. It's 10 past 11. Yes, it is not the disco version, which we have on a Saturday night, but uh, that's not bad music uh, getting into the Q&A. And uh, the Q&A tonight starts with Melbourne Victory's uh, loss Last night oh, against wasn't uh, it great? Wellington Phoenix. Wasn't it? It was the best 90 minutes of television, <laughs> football television, I've seen in about three weeks. Well, after Rodrigo gives a score. A, well, it was 3-0 in the end, yeah. Carlos. Um, you know, uh, Wellington scored their, well, their, their 
third, second and third goal in, in, after injury time, actually, so or during injury time. So, um, yeah, victory, victory looked out of sorts yesterday. Yeah, look, I, I think they did a curious, really. They, <laughs> they, they found it a bit difficult in the first five minutes, a bit windy, a bit cold. Uh, the Phoenix boys had their tails up. Um, and really, with a, I thought they were the better side easily through the whole game. And I think victory turned up you know, their toes very early and just accepted the fact this is not one we're going to win. Uh, let's uh, save our, let's keep our powder dry for the next game. They needed to have a bad loss, and that last night was a bad loss for them. And I think uh, that might be a bit of a spur for them going to Perth. Uh, let, let's put it down as a bit of an anomaly for, for victory. They've been much, really, really good over the last nine games. They needed to have that result. Uh, if they back up again against Perth, there's a problem. If they don't, well, it's just a hiccup. Uh, Rodrigo, I've said it before. Wherever there's a possibility of, of uh, duty-free shopping, it plays. You know, <laughs> a player's mind gets distracted. I've seen more because you know you can bring stuff home that you, you can't normally. You know that the liter bottle of um, Bailey's or something like that for your mum. Yeah, and and it throws your game out. And I think that's one of the the things that probably happened there. We can't play in Wellington because because of the duty-free. Yeah, no, Warren, you, there's no reason for you to... I mean, apart from victory losing, you don't need to be happy. No, no, I am. I'm very happy. Because actually, I wasn't coming in. I made a decision <laughs> in the break that until Melbourne City won, particularly after the way they lost against Adelaide, particularly, I was, I, I wouldn't have been good on air that night, I can honestly say. And I made a decision I was coming, wasn't coming in until victory lost. So thankfully for you guys, they did the right oh, thing last no, night. No, absolutely. No, look, I wouldn't think there's anything stars. to worry about for Melbourne victory. Nothing to worry about whatsoever. They're travelling very, very, very well. They'll probably be able to do some duty-free shopping coming back from Wellington through Sydney on the way to Perth. Um, I would have thought that Perth pre presents a mildly dangerous game for them, but uh, Royston Griffiths isn't playing because of a, a second yellow that led to a red against Newcastle. And as long as they can, um, you know, regroup, I think victory will be fine. Because what do they come back? They come back and play Sydney in the Big Blue, no, Australia uh, yeah. Day. Yep, they do. And then shortly after, I think two weeks after that, they've got the third of the Melbourne derbies. Yep. So it's an interesting time for Melbourne victory. It was such a good chance for them to bridge that gap. Mm. They're still five behind Sydney FC, but it would have obviously two. Um, leading into that, uh, the Australia Day Big Blue would would be absolutely fantastic. Obviously, if they beat Perth Glory, but uh, but uh, with Barisha's red card being rescinded, how, how was that ever rescinded? I mean, he should have got weeks for that. <laughs> <laughs> you would be the only guy, oh. probably on the planet, oh. that would even suggest that. Even even by my standards of not really liking anything about victory, I was amused. What should happen, Warren? What, I mean, you're good at ending people's careers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what should happen to that assistant referee? I mean, you, oh. ended, you ended Andrew Redmayne's career. He's never recovered. I mean, no, he's got another he, contract with yeah, Sydney. Yeah, but he's, he's moved number on. Two. He's been he's moved two. on. Look, he was moved what? on from City once you really, mm. I don't know what you said, you, you ended his career with what you said I on said radio. I said he was hopeless. Yeah, that's right. Pretty much. And, and, he, and, and he, he has to go. After that, literally, probably the next day, City got rid of him. <laughs> yeah. He went to West Sydney Wanderers. Yep. He he really worked hard to rebuild his career, started getting first team games, and then I think you criticised him again, he got shaky again. Yeah, yeah, yep. And now he's uh, been moved so on to the So for the Sydney third FC. official, for the linesman, yeah. I should say third official. Uh, well, assistant referees. The yeah. only punishment that I can give that, you know, would be reasonable. If he's if he wants to come to, you know, the far fung places like Melton and Gisborne and do the lines <laughs> for my daughters under twelve in the middle of winter, yep. 
I actually reckon that would be fair punishment. And and just with the rope yeah, between with the, him and the crowd? Yeah, the rope. There's a little rope? Yeah, yeah. That, or, the, or just the second white line. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be fair. So that's my punishment for the third official. The linesmen haven't been the same ever since Warren called for them to sort of police the throw-in position. <laughs> yeah, well... Because they're well, under they more pressure to well, make they, sure they that... They can't multitask. That's the problem. <laughs> if so. they actually just kept their attention on things that they can control and let the main guy do the big decisions, that would probably be a starting point. <laughs> anyway, a, a massive hiccup there for Melbourne victory. No, losing. a small hiccup. No, small. I, I, Tiny hiccup. 3-0 is a massive hiccup. You know, anyway, okay. it affects their goal difference. Um, you know, hopefully they, they've got to go all the way to Perth. It's a long um, way. Yeah. They should have won that Vinny's game. Nervous. I'm, Vinny's I'm upset. nervous. I am nervous. I'm upset now because Perth could beat us in Perth. Okay. They're good. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's time now to, uh, for our very special uh, interview. It's uh, quarter past 11. Yes, and um, it's now time to move this conversation all the way to Vienna, well, to Austria. Welcome to Jimmy Jego. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hi, boys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you, Vinny Venezuela. We've also got uh, Warren Diego and Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, you're in Austria. What's it like being back home for you? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's really good. Obviously, I'm um, very cold at the moment, but... Um, so, yeah, it's been really good being back over here, and obviously you haven't been born here. Uh, that, that was my it's point. Sort of been, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it's, been, it's been nice to um, to come back to obviously where I was born, and I was able to see, you know, when we get days off, go down to Vienna and see sort of where I grew up. So from that point of view, it's been really good. So, Jimmy, it's uh, Carlos speaking. Um, where Stern Graz is to where Vienna is, is it like you're playing at Hopper's Crossing <laughs> from the CBD in Melbourne? What? What what's the distance and and uh, where's the proximity of your club to where you're born? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> it's about it's about two oh, about an hour and a half, two hours drive to Vienna. So um, Bendigo. So yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. So Bendigo, Bendigo to the CBD. So yeah, I mean that's that's one of the good things about being here is most of the uh, most of the games are maximum a three hour drive. So everything's quite close and. And yeah, but as I said, Vienna only being an hour and a half away is good in terms of days off and stuff like that. You get to go and visit the city and, and I, as I said, I could go see where I grew up and stuff like that. Guten Tag, Jimmy. Vinny Venezuela here. Given that Hello, you, mate. Yeah, very good. When did you actually leave Austria and do you speak Austrian? Um, I left when I was 10 years old, so... Yeah, left left when I was ten and came straight to Australia. And because my dad worked for the for the UN in in Austria, we sort of at home we spoke English. And because my whole family's from the UK, and uh, and I went to an English speaking school. So it was only really at at football that I spoke a little bit of German. Um, but it was sort of enough to give me a little bit of a grasp of the language. So that, that was sort of another positive of coming here to Austria is that I did have a little bit of grasp of German. Um, and yeah, and, um, and obviously being around boys every day and being around the language every day, I've managed to pick it up quite so, quickly, which has been been a big help. So, Jimmy, how do you say "pass it to me" in Austrian? <laughs> I normally just swear at them in English. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no fun. <laughs> oh, Jimmy, I'm just wondering whether the songs from The Sound of Music are still pretty big, and you you sing them in the streets. No, seriously, um, I'm really interested when we get guys who are currently playing overseas to give us a comparison between 
the competition they're playing in now and the A-League competition in terms of what are the differences, I mean, I suppose level, and what are the biggest things you have to adjust to as a player coming out of, you know, an A-League competition, Australian-based competition to play in a European competition? Yeah, no, definitely. It's something I sort of speak about with people a lot and it's something that I find really interesting. Um, I mean, the main... the. The league here took me by surprise, to be honest, just in terms of how how different it was. It was to the A League. It's a lot, a lot more. It's a lot quicker, first of all, but it's also a lot more physical here, which was sort of a bit surprising because a lot of people think that um, you know Australian players and Australian football in general is quite physical. But um, you know, I found the league really physical and and tactically as well. It's quite different. You know, in Australia, a lot of teams look to play out from the back and, and play quite similar systems, whereas here it's sort of you you get a lot of teams, especially some of the smaller teams who haven't got as much money, who are sort of fighting relegation, that play quite direct and and it can make the games really competitive. And, and from that point of view, it's been it's been really good for me because it's taught me, you know, I've had to add a whole heap of things to my game that, you know, had I stayed in Australia, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have needed to add or, or would, my game wouldn't have developed in that way. So... You know, from that point of view, there's from the the games, it's very different, and also training. You know, we train a lot more over here. It's a lot more intense and sort of a lot more hours on, on the pitch, which is again something that your body your body needs to get used to. And I think probably the final thing is also just the depth and, and the number of squads, and with there obviously not being a salary cap and and things like that. You know, I always found that in Australia. If you once you sort of had your your two year deal in a twenty three man squad, you're always there or thereabouts in terms of playing. You know, even if you're out of favour, a couple of injuries or suspension, and 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 you'd be back in. Whereas over here, you know, the the squads, you know, for example, our squad's got thirty players and and thirty very very good players. So, um, and you know, there's always the, there's always the opportunity for clubs to sign players and, and stuff like that. But so from that point of view, there's a lot more competition. For places, and again, you know, that's something that can only help you develop as a player. Jimmy, it's Carlos again. Uh, your springboard to Austria was your stint in Adelaide uh, after, you know, the talent you showed at Victory. I mean, whenever you got game time at Victory, you showed what you could do, but it just the squad was so strong there as a young guy. It didn't seem like you got the minutes up. But when you went to Adelaide, you really went to another level. Um, what do you think? I mean, same thing happened with Stefan Mork last year too. Uh, now, he's overseas. He's sort of used that as a springboard to get overseas after he moved from Melbourne City to, uh, to Adelaide. What do you think it was about Adelaide that took your game to another level? Um, I think I think the big the biggest thing game time, and I know everyone sort of speaks about it, and especially the young player when you're around that that age, twenty one, twenty two, you know the big the biggest thing you need is games. And I mean, I, when I look back to my first to my my year at Adelaide, I sort of if I look back at my first six months, you know, I don't think I was I was playing brilliantly then, but I learned so much just from playing week in week out and. And learning how to get the best out of yourself each week, and and all those type of things that come with having to play every week, and and you know getting confidence in games, and and learning to manage yourself through games, and and, and stuff like that. And I think that's absolutely huge, huge for, for a player. And and you know I think for example you you mentioned Stefan as a good example. You know if you look at him at Melbourne City, you know he was always doing well when he got chances, but it was just getting that chance to play week in week out, and and he got it at, at Adelaide, and obviously. You know his game went to another level, and 
and it's just so it's just so important at that age I think to be to to play regular football and and you know unfortunately I would have loved to have done that at Victory but you know it wasn't a B and, and Adelaide was perfect from that point of view. Jimmy, I was just interested in the support and you know the following for the game in Austria. I wonder are people intensely interested in their own domestic competition or is there a fan base that looks outside Austria at Bundesliga, at the Premier League, that sort of thing? What's the what's the um the game like in Austria from a support base perspective? Um, yeah, it's very much I mean because I mean that's one that's one of the other things I absolutely love here is because obviously the league's been around forever and, and a lot of the teams have a lot of tradition, you know. Both Vienna clubs have had you know, fantastic teams that have played in regularly in Champions Leagues. You know, 10 years ago, Sturm Graz were playing regularly in the Champions League. So, you know, the clubs have a lot of history. And, and it's sort of if, you, if you're if you a football supporter here in Austria, you've got your team, whether it be, you know, one of the Vienna teams, whether it be Sturm Graz, whether it be one of the other teams. So from that point of view, you know, the ver- and the support really is passionate and, you know, it's very much their team. And, and you know, that's sort of when you imagine what... what you know that like the atmospheres and the supports like in Europe. It's it's very much that. I mean, the, the crowds aren't aren't huge um, here, but in terms of the the big three four clubs, will get easily ten thousand every week, and and it doesn't really move depending on on how the teams that how the teams are playing. You know, it tends that. I mean, for example, one of the Vienna teams gets twenty twenty five thousand every week. Um, but and then there's obviously a big. They love the German Bundesliga over here, and that's sort of you know the league that they look to. And there's a lot of interest in that. But it's very much that if you think of what's football in Austria, it's the Austrian Bundesliga. But you know as well here, there's competition from other sports. But in but but yeah, it's 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 obviously fairly big. Jimmy, uh, Vinny Venezuela again. I, I want to ask you two questions, and I think they're interrelated. Ange Postacoglia for the Socceroos likes to have his Socceroos playing. So the, my, my first question sort of points to um, how much game time are you getting and, and are you getting enough that satisfies where you want to be and the goals you want to achieve? And also, where do you sit with the Socceroos, given that you're in Austria and I think you're applying for Austrian citizenship as well? Is, is your Socceroo position potentially compromised? Um, first of all, in terms of the citizenship and stuff, that was sort of something that was was briefly spoken about because of the situation with the amount of foreigners you can have in your squad over here. And, and in the squad last season, um, there was a bit of an issue with that. But before the season started, we sat down with the club and sort of wanted to... Because obviously I've got a, a UK passport, which all my family's in the UK, which is quite important to me. And obviously an Australian passport because I am Australian. And so we wanted to make sure from the club's point of view that there wasn't going to be an issue with the, with the amount of foreigners and they, and, you know, from that point of view, they, they said that I was in their, their six foreigners that they, um, that they planned, planned the squad with. And so the Austrian citizenship wasn't really needed in the end, which, which was good. Um, and in, in terms of, in terms of Socceroos in general and playing time, I'm a bit lucky that, in the first half of the season, I've, I think, played every game bar one where I was suspended. So, you know, I've been playing plenty of football, which is exactly what I needed. And, you know, it helped that the team was doing really well. So, you know, it was um, it was quite an easy easy to get myself into the team and, and try and stay there. And, 
and yeah, obviously, you know, it's it's vital with Ange, and you know, even for myself and my development, I'm still 24, so it's still something that I need is is, is regular game time, and you know, I'm looking to make sure that it's going to be the same in the second half of the season. If I can get a a good European season behind me, playing playing regularly, then it'll be perfect for me. Now, Jimmy, one last one before we let you go. Uh, it, it sounds like they're playing you more as a defensive midfielder over there. I'm not sure whether that's a similar role that you played at Adelaide and at Melbourne Victory. It seems like you're a little bit more defensive. But what did they see in your game that, uh, that I mean, you, you almost uh, you know, jumped in and established yourself quite early in, in a very good league and in a decent team also. What did they see in your game that made them think that you could add to their team? Um, yeah, look, it, it is a, a different role to Adelaide. Obviously, with Adelaide, we played three in midfield, and I was sort of went box to box, and I had license to get forward and, and, and quite a bit of freedom. Whereas here, I'm playing very much as our, our deepest midfielder. And, and, um, and you know, when I spoke before about the, the different style of the league, and I, I think that was something that in my game that really developed, sort of almost by accident, just through through playing games, that I became defensively. A lot more aware and and um, and you know able to to be quite you know try and impose yourself defensively on games and and making sure you're winning a lot of the ball and and you know I think that 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 disciplined role that I played in midfield um, you know has, has managed to get me in the team and and um, and you know being being the one that that breaks up attacks and, and gets the team on the front foot and you know we're quite an aggressive team in the in the way we press the ball and. And you know my work rate and, and and things like that have been um I think have been you know part of the reasons that I've that I've been in the team and and it's a, it's a role that I absolutely love and and I think I've grown into and you know I probably see myself you know potentially playing that role for for the next few years at least so you know something I'm always working on and and, and something I really enjoy. Hey, Jimmy, mate, we really appreciate your time. Who knows, uh, when we next speak to you, you'll be in the Bundesliga in Germany <laughs> as well. And uh, Ange Postacoglu picked you for uh, the uh, World Cup in Russia. Let's hope that, uh, that happens for you, mate. Uh, thanks for your time tonight. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Our pleasure, Jimmy. There's Jimmy Jago. Um, Applying his trade in Austria. Was an impressive young man. Absolutely. I hadn't heard him in the media before. Yeah, I thought no. he handled himself very, very well. He, was, he came back off... Um, the Christmas break and was on Fox and I'd heard him speak and yeah, it was impressive again. Hey, as we go, to, before we go to the break, let's uh, check in with Brett Phillips at Melbourne Park. We can't win at home and we can't win on the road. My problem as coach is that I can't think of another place to play. This has been a sad coaching moment by the Four Diego's. Hey, thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night edition of the Four Diego's. We're back tomorrow night uh, with the final whistle. I after won't the... be if they lose. I'm telling you now, I'm not coming on if they lose. We might not be coming on because you're interrupting all the time. Melbourne City <laughs> take on Central Coast okay. Mariners Fine. tomorrow. Warren Kyrgios. Yeah, exactly. SEN will be calling that game uh, and we'll be on from 10. No, I won't be. I'm telling you now. Tonight's show is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing and the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping. Uh, interesting interview with uh, Jimmy Jego. We'll catch up with Mike McGrath a little bit later on to talk about uh, everything that's happening in, in the UK as well. Hey, before we uh, started speaking with... Uh, with Jimmy, we were doing a bit of a and a and uh, one topic that uh, we were just about to touch on, we will now, is the is the A-League have announced that they're going in the 2018-2019 season to a 4-1 uh, 
Four, four plus one foreigners, meaning four overseas players. What's that up to a Warren? That's five. That's five. <laughs> four plus oh, sorry, one. Yeah. Warren. Sorry. So is that the season there'll be two new teams? Meaning that that's that, the season. Yeah, they're going to announce it this year. In, For next year, so there'll be two it, new teams. Gonna, be, well, they'd have to announce it this year, and actually quite soon after the criteria comes out, who the teams are going to be, because they need time to actually... Well, you've got to find your mystery... So what's mystery that got, what does it mean? What, what does it mean, Carlos, a four okay. plus one for, for our listeners? Okay, when they talk about their import... Uh, quotas, and uh, whenever they're talking about four plus one or five or three plus, it's the amount of foreigners you're allowed to have in your squad of 23. So in this case, when they say four plus one, it's uh, four foreigners plus, sorry, five foreigners in total. Yep. Four have to, can be from anywhere around the world, and one has to be from Asia. Uh, you don't have to have the, the fifth one. You don't have to have a uh, play from Asia. You can go with four foreigners if you want, uh, but you're allowed to have up to five, and one of them... Uh, of those five have to be uh, from Asia. Is there any restriction on how many any of those foreigners are in? No, in, they could all play. They could all play in the in the uh, in the team that's selected on the field at one time, uh, which is I know we're going to talk about what China has just announced, which is a very different. But uh, uh, which it's very interesting. Uh, David Gallup's already been in the FFA have already been criticised by uh, the uh, the owner of uh, Adelaide United, or one of the owners of Adelaide United, Griffin. Um, he has said that uh, you know basically why should the A League clubs be told who who they should, you know, recruit from overseas. Um, the Asian players probably aren't seen as as good a value as what they might get overseas in Europe. And Sydney have really benefited from going into the Balkans area and getting players who aren't being paid at the moment, who are damn good players, and bring them over here, pay them regularly, and they'll play great football for you. Uh, we've seen with uh, Melbourne Victory, and we've seen with also with Brisbane Raw, with Broish and uh, Barisha, uh, you know, you get a good hungry European footballer, or South American, or South American, uh, and uh, suddenly you know you got yourself a champion footballer. And the fact that clubs now, out of the five um, foreigners they can recruit, one has to come from Asia, which means that they have to now have some intelligence in that area. Mm. Is and there compulsion would... around filling those spots, though, Carlos? Is no. it still up to clubs' discretion as to? How many yeah. they sign or Absolutely, not sign, yeah. and that's thing. You don't sort of have thing. to have any foreigners at all if you don't want to. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, people see that as an opportunity getting some really good players yeah. from overseas. And if you get them in the right areas, they're actually quite cheap. We can get good players from Japan. We can get good players from Saudi Arabia. We haven't tended to, though, have no, we? No, we, we haven't. And, and the record and, hasn't and, been and good with I the think, players I that have come. I think part of that reason is generally what happens with the recruiting of players is player agents know the regions really well. They'll come to you as a coach or as a club and say, listen, I've got a really great right back from Hungary or I've got a really great central midfielder from Croatia. Uh, this is his video. This is what he's done. Do you want to consider him, especially if, agents know you're lacking in that area and actually a lot of coaches in the A-League have a great relationship with all the player agents because of that reason for a long time we haven't had that intelligence in our player agents of Asia that's starting to improve by the way I mean we had Timmy Cale who went to Japan and his agent uh, um, uh, Ante Alevich I'm not quite 100% sure of his surname but he uh, he's now uh, James Holland went to uh, China. China and also Robbie Cruz, and I think he had something to do with those deals. So uh, our player agents are having much, much more 
of an understanding of what happens in Asia and uh, more of our players are going over there because of that. And we'll, we'll end up recruiting more players over here too because of that too. And China are uh, obviously uh, causing ripples around world football at the moment. have uh, just gone to a uh, five foreigners um, on match day. Yeah. So they've gone to a, a five foreigners yeah. uh, from a four plus one. They had yeah. a four plus one, yeah. similar to what to what we've just introduced. They've got a, a truckload more money, though. <laughs> to, yeah, for, but for only the three of them can play. Correct. You know, they, yeah. they can all be picked in the match day squad, but they only three of them can play on the field at one time. And also, uh, they all squads have to have two under 23 local players, domestic players, in their squads, of which one has to start. So I think we'll see a lot of, you know, under 23 players starting and then being subbed after five minutes, and, maybe. And, so some con- and some confused benches, too. Yeah. How many, how many, <laughs> how many foreigners have we got? Anyway? Right. Why don't the um, Chinese Super League just cut out the middlemen instead of buying players from the Premier League and other? Why don't they just buy the Premier League <laughs> and relocate <laughs> all the teams in China? Because it'll be far less complicated. Because right at the moment, they're going for the, the small target theory, which is just, you know, pick players off. And it's the, and the, I know this is a bit off topic, but it's amazing to me how you've got one of the leading scorers in the Premier League gets word of a Chinese club prepared to pay him £550,000 a week. And it, it automatically gets into his head and impacts on his relationship and him at a club. Now, I would never have thought it would have got to that point that a player is being distracted from playing in the best domestic competition in the world by money that is astronomically huge. Messi, yes. I mean, not Messi, but Tevez, yes. In terms of finishing off his career, he gets offered the golden handshake. But a guy like Costa, and it's interesting how the reaction in England, the Robbie Savages of the world and a few other commentators are basically saying, well, this will be the end of your elite football career. If you go there, it's over. If you're not, if you're not at the end, if you're going at 28, 29, 30, you're never coming back. But players are Well, you actually, don't come back a better player. But players are getting distracted by this, and I would never have thought it would happen. And it probably may be thin end of the wedge that it's going to happen more and more often. Well, th- They're going to get those guys thereafter. Yeah, I think at the top, top level, especially in England, Antonio Conti didn't cop that. Obviously, the story came out. Diego Costa had got this, uh, got this offer. Uh, he had his head turned. He was attracted he by that. Yep. Obviously, maybe he's trying to want away. <laughs> well, he was probably no. He was a want away. That's why they said to him, "Listen, you know, they didn't pick him to go to Leicester." No. And they basically said to, said that, um, "Listen, you're no good to us when you had your head turned. You're not concentrating on what needs to be done." And there was a lot of, uh, you know, I hope, you know, when we speak to Mike later, I just want to talk about how close he was to leaving because there was a lot of talk of them selling him in the January transfer window, just getting rid of him. And Chelsea's a team that's, you know, got Don't daylight need the money. Yeah, they got daylight between the top and second. But I think Antonio Conte was saying, you know, how much money do you want? Diego mm. Costa is already. Two hundred thousand pound a week. Yeah, already independently wealthy. His kids won't have to work. Their kids won't have to work. I mean, how much money uh, do you get tempted by when you've got a bigger prize on offer, winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League, and that's what he got really frustrated about. And I think that's why they were very, very close. It seemed like that they were going to get rid of him. Empire. He wanted an empire, Carlos. <laughs> I don't just want the money. I want an empire. Yeah, it's unbelievable, really. A dynasty. Um, but anyway, so uh, we talked about this about a month ago where, where we talked about China and, and the big bucks that they're throwing at players from around the world. And we said that they really haven't turned the head of somebody that, you know, that's playing in 
you know, one of the big leagues. You know, regularly you know, the, in the start. Yeah. that's at the top of their game. The, um, this would be this would be one such occurrence if they happen to get. And it, uh, I reckon it'd be thin him. end of the wedge because they'll just keep going and going yeah. and going. But I wonder whether. Because Diego Costa looked like he was leaving Chelsea at the end of the last season. During the off-season, he was agitating for a mm. move back to, to Spain. He's always been known as a bloke who's hit and miss. If he's in the mood, he'll give you everything he's got. If he's not, he's a problem child in your squad. And he always hasn't had a happy time at clubs. So I wonder whether, you know, he contemplated this move because he probably said, I've had a lot of hard times. You know, my coach can go off me any time. And he's probably said, I've got to look after myself. And I think that's that view, whereas Cristiano Ronaldo, you heard about the deal that he supposedly got offered a couple of months ago, was just ridiculous amount of money per week. It was like, uh, you know, a, a, a million pound per week or something like that he was offered. He scoffed at it, but he announced he'd been offered that. And he, you know, obviously he's happy at Real Madrid. He's just signed a big contract to two, I think 2022. 20, yep. And he's getting an enormous amount of money there. But... These players are now considering these offers and considering them on merit. Mm. They're not just laughing at them and walking away. If it's enough money, um, I think you know, people treat it with respect. It's going to be very interesting stuff to see over the next few years anyway, to see what impact China has on those big leagues. Hey, we're going to take a break now, come back with Mike McGrath and the Four Diegos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Okay, guys, the rules of soccer are very simple. If it moves, kick it. If it doesn't move, kick it until it does. This has been a halftime pep talk by the Four Diegos. Thanks for joining us on the Four Diegos this Wednesday night. We're back tomorrow night uh, with the final whistle. After I won't be, I said, if you, they lose. You will be, Warren, no, because you're a professional. In. Warren, come on. No. Step up, son. No. Central Coast Mariners Jeez. are on the bottom of the uh, table and... Uh, Melbourne City will win Nick, tomorrow. I mean, I, if you don't no, win no. that one, you're right. You shouldn't come in, but you should come in anyway because you're a supporter. Exactly. You're rusted on, Warren. I'm rusted. Yeah, you're, you're rusted true, on. True, I'm rusted. And more importantly, that you're a professional. Hey, no, let's go. No, let's bad. go to the UK now and catch up with our man from the Sun in the UK, Mike McGrath. Good day, Mike, and welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Hi, our pleasure. Nice, nice to hear your voice. Uh, Rodrigo here, Vinny's here as well, and uh, Carlos and Warren Diego. Um. I think Robbie Savage said on uh, the weekend that not a team from Manchester wouldn't win the title this year, Mike, which it actually warms my heart extremely. But <laughs> would you agree with him? Is there any chance or is there a semblance of a chance if Man City beat Tottenham this weekend? Um, I, yeah, I, I think that it's likely that it's not going to come from Manchester. But, um, yeah, there is still a chance. I, I, I don't think... You, United are too disheartened um, by being a draw out of Liverpool. I think City, uh, City are not giving the giving the vibe of champions. But I think all the top six have really been kind of boosted by what's happened to Diego Costa and Chelsea over the last week, and it's just opened the door slightly. And people thinking, well, it, they didn't look like they had a weakness. Um, two games ago and now it just looks like they've just opened the door and it it might be a title race again rather than Chelsea just uh you know cantering to the title and that look that this the the Manchester clubs are outsiders but I don't think they're out of it just yet Mike Vinnie here in terms of Man City 
is it Bravo? Is he the problem? Because you said they shouldn't shouldn't buy him. Yeah, well, he's one of um, he's one of many problems. Um, I mean, he's just not he he has not stepped into uh, Joe Hart's gloves at all. Um, he's he's just not he's just not looking confident at the things that he should be confident at, which is um, you know a one on one with with those guys that he had um, at, at Goodison Park. He didn't look like he was going to stop any of those four goals. Um, and obviously the one, the things that we really do think he's good at, which is having the ball at his feet, to me it just inspires confidence in the opposition when they pass back to Bravo and panic amongst his uh, teammates uh, when they're looking what he's going to do next. I just think it's a really bizarre possibly hard-headed um, decision from Pep Guardiola and one where he left himself with absolutely no wiggle room. I mean, why not bring somebody in to compete with Joe Hart, England's number one goalkeeper, instead of just say, right, that's it, I'm chucking this system out and I'm going with what I think is right. Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, West Ham, they had a good win on the weekend, but it was amid uh, a lot of turmoil within the squad with uh, Dimitri Payet, uh, refusing to train and play, I believe. I know he's apparently the reports are he's back at training now, but it's all, it also led a couple of his teammates, Andy Carroll, also his captain Mark Noble, to come out and and almost criticise him in the media. It's unprecedented, uh, you know, this sort of agitation by a player to get away and his teammates responding. I don't think I've seen this happen before. Uh, surely he's got to leave West Ham one way or another this window, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you you go back to I think there was a story before I started work as a journalist um, uh, Pierre Van Hoydonk at, at Nottingham Forest characters like this who really do agitate for a move and it just looks like it, it benefits everybody if he gets his move back to Marseille which he wants and Marseille won and also for West Ham to use that £30 million to invest in their squad because it, it was a really poor summer for them as well as um, as they, they just didn't build on what they had last season as well as all the stadium and all that palaver. Uh, they didn't buy well. So I think they've got to start again, really, from this January. They're, I mean, they, they've had a decent set of results. Um, they had three wins in, um, in on the spin where um, they probably didn't play very well, but they're out of they're out of that trouble as far as a lot of people are concerned. So it would be a case of maybe getting a striker and getting Scott Hogan in and having a, a positive atmosphere around the club without this uh, toxicity from, from Dimitri Payet. Mike, I'm just wondering if there's more poor teams in the Premier League this year than in other years. I just look at the latter Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace, Hull, Sunderland, Swansea, and I don't want to mention Leicester in that. But, you know, it seems to me that it's an absolute raffle as to which of those teams would go down because they seem completely unable to build any momentum in any of those sides in terms of performance. And even at this moment, Sam Allardyce's move to Crystal Palace has really done very little to change their fortunes. Yeah, it, it does seem like a real scrap down there. Um, I, I'd say it probably involves everybody everybody in the bottom half really i mean anybody's capable of that terrible run i suppose we saw it if you remember when blackpool were there they had a great start to the season and they could they plummeted i think anybody's capable of that of that and i do think 
there does seem to be a bit of a division in the Premier League. You have the top seven, you include Everton in that, who played superbly at the weekend, um, where everything is fantastic and they're positive. And then the guys below there, West Brom at eight, and they're, you, you know we all know that they'd be happy with 40 points, which are not far away from. Uh, and it seems like survival is what those teams are after. Um, and it's, I, I think it's a really wide-open relegation battle. Hey, Mike, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. Our news is coming up, but uh, thanks for your time. We'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks, Cheers, Mike. guys. Speak soon. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. That's it for this week's show, boys. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night, of course, for the final whistle. Warren will be here. Um, where <laughs> Won't Melbourne, be if they lose. Melbourne <laughs> City take on the Central Coast Mariners. Uh, hey, thanks for listening tonight. So um, that's it. And we've also got to, we're also here on Saturday night as well. So remember, Carlos. Where have Puerto Rican girls hang out? We'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever you Samba, Rumba, and La Bamba, we'll, we'll be there. there. Where there are girls with fruit on their hand and balls, their feet. We'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever gringos play football, we'll, we'll be there. there. We are the Four Diego. Ole! Ole!